song to the one who's all I
take from me I will bless your name though you ruin me still I will worship sing a song to the one who saw Yes, Lord, though you slay us, yet we will praise you. Though you take from us, we will bless your name. Though you ruin us, still we will worship. For we know who we are worshiping to, and that God, that you are a good God who loves us and has a plan and a purpose for us. So therefore, Lord, as Job declared, we will sing a song to the one who is all we need. Heavenly Father, you are more than enough for us. Even in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our difficulties, you are always enough. Lord, we do not need anything else other than your presence, other than the relationship that we have in you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bestow upon each and every single individual who are here the peace of God that transcends understanding and the joy of the Lord, which gives us strength. So God, we look to not our circumstances or our, nor our situations, but Lord, we look to you and you alone. And we declare today that you alone are our God and our Savior. And as you transition to the message, Lord, I pray the words of my mouth and Lord may the meditation of all of our, all of our hearts especially to those who are listening Lord may it be pleasing in your sight O oh Lord as we declare Lord you are our rock and our redeemer we thank you we love you we pray all these things in your precious son Jesus Christ let me pray and all of God's people pray amen amen, amen. and amen amen, amen. Uh, God bless you Thank you for being here with us this morning. Um, it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord. Can we all take our seat? And before we begin, let's take a moment to greet our fellow neighbors at this time. As you know, we've been on the series of Real Faith. And today will be part three of that message, of that series. And the title of today's message is Finish the race. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, finish the race. Finish the race. 
Our main scripture here is very short today. It's found in James chapter 1, verse 12. James 1, verse 12. And James, our author, the writer, he says this. He says here in verse 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I'll read it one more time. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let's begin with point number one. The true Christian hugs trials. Any tree huggers here? (laughs) We hug it, we embrace it, we accept it, and we welcome it. It says in Matthew 24, verse 12 to 13, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. When your heart grows cold, when your love grows cold, you will stay away from it. But, Jesus says here, but the one, again, as it says in James 1, the one who perseveres on the trial, just like the word it was used, the one, But the one, Jesus is saying the same thing, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And the one who stands strong in the midst of what? Not not when things are easy, but when things are difficult. Therefore, as Christians, so point letter A, we anticipate trials, meaning we expect it. You be a fool to not expect trials in your life. As Christians, you will expect and you should expect trials. B, we welcome trials. C, we embrace trials. D, we wrestle in trials. E, we overcome trials. Just like we talked about with the story of Israel, when he wrestled with God, we wrestle in our trials and then we overcome in the midst of our trials. And the word that James uses here is blessed. He starts with the word blessed. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. What is that word? What is it saying? Blessed, blessed, blessed are bestowed to who? To the believers, not to the non-believers, but to the believers, and it is available to who? Only for the believers alone. Meaning, if you are not a believer here today, then you do not fall under this category, and you cannot take this blessing with you. You are not blessed. But to those who are blessed are those who belong to God, and to those who believe in God, and to those who have faith in the Lord. And it's given to those as available for the believers alone. That's what James is teaching us. He's saying it is given to those who are what? Faithful, steadfast, and enduring, and who have persevered, and who have, in the midst of that, they have joy in the midst, and they have persevered, and they are blessed because why? It says they have received the crown of life. It says here they will receive the crown of life. What is the crown of life? It's talking about the victor's crown. You'll receive the reward, the eternal life with God. 
It says here in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, Paul here, he says, the heading says, the need for self-discipline. He said, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? That prize is the same thing that James is talking about here. He's talking about the crown of life. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Again, what is the prize? The prize is the crown of life. The crown of life. The victory wreath that we put put on people's heads in the Olympic Games. They have the wreath saying that they have won. It is only given to who? Not to the crowd. Not to those who have not made it. But to those who have made it to the finish line. And it's given to the athletes who have won, to the Olympians who have faithfully endured to the end. It is awarded with the victory wreath. Therefore, we as Christians, we too will receive the victor's crown. And we need to remember Job in the process He was alone in the eyes of this world. Yes, he was alone, but he was not alone in the fight because the Lord was right there with him. And the price, again, the crown of life, victor's crown is what? The eternal life in heaven with God. And there are only two ways that we receive this victor's crown, two ways that we receive this prize. Number one is death. When we die, we'll receive this prize. And the second way is we're alive and the second advent of Christ, the second coming of Christ, then we will receive the victor's crown as one or the other. And it will happen. For all of us here, we will face death and take that final breath. So again, point number one, the true Christian hugs trials. Why? Because in the end, there is a reward. What is a reward? It's eternal life in heaven with the Lord, eternity with him is the victor's crown that we will receive. Please keep in mind 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 that we just mentioned, because I'm going to continue reading in point number two. Point number two is, always better over-prepare than under-prepare. It is always better to be over-prepare than under-prepare. It is always better to be overdressed than to be underdressed. And that's how the kingdom of God works. For example, in Matthew 14 and in Matthew 15, literally one chapter after, we see the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. The feeding of the 5,000 Jesus does it in front of the Jewish crowd. And the feeding of the 4,000, he does it in front of the Gentiles, the Decapolis, right? That's not a Jewish region. And we know this because people from there, they had pigs. Jews do not associate with pigs. So we understand this is a different crowd. But regardless, it's a huge amount of number. Yes, 5,000 men, 4,000 men are listed. But that's not including children and women. So if we include children and women, we, we could maybe double or triple the number. So it's a huge amount of crowd. And in that feeding of the 5,000 and 4,000, let's go to Matthew 14. 
the feeding of the 5,000. It says they had five loaves of bread and two fish. And after feeding the thousands, how many were left over? It says 12 basketfuls were left over. And then in the feeding of the 4,000 with the Gentiles, they had seven loaves of bread and a few fish. And in the end, they had seven basketfuls left over. Meaning in God, in the kingdom of God, God always gives us more than enough, way more than enough. Therefore, as Christians, we must be over-prepared in our service to the Lord. And it's always better to be over-prepared than under-prepared. So again, I asked you earlier to keep in mind 1 Corinthians 9.24. What did it say? It said, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. This ties in with James 1, our main passage, the crown of life. That is the prize. And then how do we get it? So let's continue on. Let's, let's go to the next verse, verse 25. Again, continuation from point one. It says, everyone who competes in the games, they go into what? Goes into strict training, meaning they are over-training. They're over-prepared. They do it to get what? A crown. Again, it's the prize that we're talking about, that James is talking about. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. What is that crown that will last forever? It's the victor's crown. It's the crown of life, the eternal life with the Lord. Therefore, Paul is saying here, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He's not just shadow boxing. Even in the shadow boxing, he's imagining the goal, the prize, the end. He said, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, meaning I discipline myself so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So Paul here is teaching us you need to be overprepared in your service for the Lord. It is always better to be over-prepared because the Lord, when He gives us, He doesn't just give us just enough. He gives us more than enough for us to overcome any suffering, any trials, any difficulties. He always gives us more than enough, and in the end, there is always room for leftover so that it overflows my cup and it flows your cup and our cup, all of our cups, as well. So in other words, as Christians, we go into battle over-prepared. It is always better to have more than less. So point letter A, prepare yourselves. B, you need to discipline yourselves. C, you need to train yourselves. This is physically, mentally, spiritually, every area of your life. I've met amazing Christian men and women who are missionaries, and they don't live too long because of their diet or their health. But we have to also take care of our body so that we can be used as a service for the Lord so that we can be healthy. So we train ourselves 
we humble ourselves, letter D. We don't, not to extol or to grow in pride. Again, one step of pride is a slippery slope. We humble ourselves in our service to the Lord. E, we study and memorize the word daily. I'll say that again. Daily. Are you memorizing the word daily? Because there may come a time where we will not have a physical access to Scripture. What will you have? You will have it in your head, in your heart. You have hidden the word in my heart, Lord. And I will know it and I will memorize it. When you memorize it, everything we do, we do it out of the overflow of the heart. So we need to study and memorize the word daily. Letter F, pray daily. It's not just about praying and saying to God, God, I need this A, B, C, and D. But praying is also about listening to the Lord, right? Listen to the Lord. And G, we worship daily. Worship is not just praising, coming here, singing songs of praise. Worship is what? Our lifestyle. Our lifestyle. That He is our God. Everything that I do, whether I'm at work, whether I'm helping a stranger, we do it out of our worship for the Lord. But be careful. Uh, please do not mix this up with legalism. Uh, legalism is a checklist, right? Uh, for example, the Pharisees and Sadducees were legalists. Uh, they were all about the checklist. And people who are full of legalism, they are full of what? Arrogance and pride. They elevate themselves. And they look down upon those who are not living that kind of lifestyle. So again, this is not about legalism. Because legalism leads to uh, self-righteousness, leads to pride, arrogance, and leads to burnouts. Rather, as Christians, we what? It is by grace. It is by faith. It is by Christ alone. That's what we say. We abide in Christ. Right? In John 15, it says, remain in me as I also remain in you. Jesus is teaching us this. He says, remain in me. As I remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, meaning he is the source. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And in Matthew 11, verse 20 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Yoke is... Uh, it's not just one animal that is used. It is two animals in the front, and they're yoked together by the neck. It's like a chain, a wooden chain. They put together. So if one animal goes this way, the other animal goes together. They're stuck together. They're handcuffed together. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, meaning you are yoked with me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So always be overprepared, then underprepared. Get yourself ready because we don't know what tomorrow may bring. Amen? So let us be ready. Let us be overprepared. Point number three, and our last point here is the true Christian will finish the race. This is not an option. There is no plan B. You will finish the race. That is a promise and a guarantee.
the Bible promises us, let's quickly go over our sub points, letter A. Shall love him forever. You shall love him forever. B, you shall follow him forever. Letter C, you shall listen to him forever. D, you shall be disciplined by him forever. E, you shall walk in him forever. F, you shall commit to him forever. And G, promise is given that you shall be blessed by him forever. H, and you shall endure the race. And I shall finish the race. You will finish the race. That is a promise that is given. Can we please turn to our neighbor and declare and say, I shall finish the race. <laughs> so if you're going to remember anything in today's message, just remember letter I, I shall finish the race with the title, Finish the Race. You will, not in your own strength, but through Christ, you will finish the race. Because the Lord has given us everything we need to finish the race. And in the end, at the end of it all, as human beings, we are all without excuse. We have no excuse at all when we see him face to face. Many people, when they die, and I'm speculating here, they will say, but Lord, you don't understand. I did not have my parents growing up. I was an orphan. I lived a hard life. But Lord, you don't understand. I was treated poorly at school and was bullied. But Lord, you don't understand. I had to be loyal to my family, even though they hated you. They didn't want me to go, they didn't want me to, go to church, and I listened to them. But I was loyal to them, right? That's the right thing to do, right? Because I was taught blood is thicker than water. But Lord, you don't understand. I had to pursue my worldly career. But Lord, you don't understand. If you had just given me more time, if you had just given me one more year, then I promised at the, in the year of 2024 that I was going to give my life to you. And the Lord will look at us on the judgment day, on that final day. Again, what is that final day? Is number one is death or the second advent, the second coming of Christ. And when we see Christ face to face, and Jesus will see us, the Lord will see us, and no amount of excuses will be enough. Your excuses will not be enough, and the Lord cannot overlook. He will see you for who you are. But when the Lord sees us, he needs to see who? He needs to see Jesus. He needs to see the humility of your life, the life that was surrendered to Jesus, that it was not by my strength, but, Lord, it is you who died for me and it's the cross of Jesus in front of us. So when God sees us, he sees his one and only son. We may have all these reasons, a checklist as to why I should go to heaven or I'm a good person. But none of those things will matter on that day. The only thing that will matter is do you have faith 
in Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you have a relationship with Jesus, you will finish the race. You will. May we pursue not the things of this world, but pursue the Lord. And the fruit is, if you pursue the world, we go to a place of apathy, pride, and we've talked about this in our previous message, apostasy. Apostasy is a label that is given to, just to make it simple, is given to Judas and Pharaoh. Well, not really Pharaoh because he was never a believer. But let's use Judas as an example. He walked with Jesus. He lived with Jesus. He saw all the miracles that we read in the gospel. And in the end, after three years of living, walking, running, and sleeping in the same room as Jesus, eating with him, we see that his faith was no more. Apostasy, dead. How do you go from someone who was with the Lord to a place where you are not with the Lord? May we not get to that point where our hearts are hardened and we walk out of the race. You have to be in the race. You have to be in the fight. You could use all the excuses and reasonings. Lord, my life was difficult. This was hard for me. But no amount of excuses will be enough on the day of judgment. What God will see from you is, did you surrender to the Lord with humility? And I'm closing with this story found in Mark 10. And this is a story of, of a young man and... This is a good example for us because I want us to put ourselves in this man's position and what he did wrong and why he could not inherit the eternal life. So it says here in Mark 10, verse 17, and as it says, it begins with, as Jesus started on his way, a man, doesn't have a name, but it says, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. So, so far, so good, right? It looks good. Running up to Jesus is always good. It shows excitement. Falling on your knees is good. It's, it's a sign of humility, surrendering to God. That's good. So far, so good. Checklist is good. And then he says, good teacher. Okay, good. He's even calling him with a respectable title. Right? It's good. So far, he's doing everything right. He asked this question, what must I do to inherit the eternal life? What does that question mean? He's talking about what must I do. He's talking about what James was talking about. He's talking about what Paul was talking about. What can I do to receive the prize, the victor's crown, the final prize? What can I do, Jesus? And then Jesus, it says, he sees the man. And he sees the man with compassion. And he responds and answers to him 
with a harsh reality check. Jesus is trying to teach this man that this is not legalism, this is not a checklist, but this is Jesus challenging and reminding that this, to this man that, listen, it is, are you going to follow me or are you not going to follow me? It is your all or nothing. So let's fast forward to verse 20 and take a look. Let's continue on the conversation and of how Jesus responds to this man. Verse 20 says, Teacher, he declared, I have kept all these I have kept since I was a boy. He's talking about a checklist, the Ten Commandments. He's saying, I did everything that was right. So far, so good. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's a very important description that we often overlook when we read this passage. When Jesus sees you, Francis, when he sees you, Ronnie, he sees you and he knows you, meaning he knows everything inside you. He knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows all of your worries, all of your anxieties. He sees you for who you are. He sees us and he doesn't hate us and he loves you. And he loved them. And then Jesus says, one thing you lack He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. What Jesus is saying here is that one thing that you're lacking, the one thing that you're lacking right now is that you are not following me, that one decision to follow me to give your all or nothing. And then let's look at verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. Before his body fell as a humility to God, but it says his face fell. That's a different kind of falling, meaning he was rejecting what Jesus was offering him. Because it says right away, it says he went away sad. Those who are in God will never walk away sad. You'll always be more than enough fulfilled, and there will be leftovers. But he went away sad because why? Because he had great wealth. Here, wealth is not against those who are rich, who have money. No, money is not root of evil, but it's the love. The love of money, the greed of money is the root of all evil. And it says that you need to choose. You need to serve God or you need to serve money, mammon. But in this instance, he chose his own pursuit. In other words, when your wealth is not in God, this will be the final product of your faith like this man. You will be dead. And then Jesus, verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, he's trying to teach his disciples, He's saying how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Who can be saved? It's impossible. Jesus looked at him and said, 
With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible with God. But not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions in the age of in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And I'm closing. Finish here. Ladies and gentlemen, please listen to me carefully. The love that we have with the Lord, the relationship that we have with God, your relationship with Jesus right now, it cannot be one-sided. Him loving us is always enough. Yes, that is true. Just like it says here in verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's the truth. He loves you. However, at the same time, it is not good enough. And I'm saying that very carefully. It is not enough. And I want to ask with a follow-up question, where is your love for him? The Bible teaches us that our God is a fair God. He is a just God. And he has given you the free will, the free reign in your life, the free choice to choose him and to love him. And in the end, to be loved by him is enough. Yes, that is true, as it says in verse 21. But at the same time, and I'm saying this carefully again, it is not enough. The Bible is very clear that you need to also love him today. You need to choose him today. You need to make that choice today. And the Bible is very clear about making choices. It is one or the other. Joshua, he says in verse 20, chapter 24, verse 15, he's telling the people, he's gathered all the people, the Israelites, and he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves when? Today, this day, whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors served by beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But what does Joshua say? But as for me, for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And the message of the gospel is very clear. Jesus goes on, he says in Matthew 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and 
money. And in the sad story of Mark 10, this man, this young man, the rich young ruler, he chose money. But you might be sitting here and be like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm not rich anyway, so I'm good. But our wealth is not always the physical money. Your heart is where your heart is. The idols, the things that we cherish more than God. And that can be friendships, relationships, possessions, popularity, fame. Those things cannot go ahead of God. That's why Jesus says to enter the kingdom of God is hard. But on the flip side, it is easy. And because it is easy, the Christian, point number three, the true Christian, will finish the race. Not by my strength, but Lord, by the strength that you give me. And I want to sing this song here today. I want to invite the praise team to come out. And this song is a very special song. And all of us, we need to get to this point in our faith with the Lord where, as Job declared, though you ruin me, still I will sing a song, still I will worship, and I will worship the one who's all I need. We all go through trials and sufferings in this life, and it's not easy. To enter the kingdom of God is not an easy path. It's not. But where we need to get to, we need to make that choice, just like this young ruler, this young man. He chose to choose the things of this world and his wealth, and therefore he walked away sad. But God doesn't want us to walk away sad today. He wants us to leave this place more than enough. You will have leftovers. Your cup will overflow. And he is more than enough for you. All of your emptiness, the hole that you have in your heart from the sadness of this life, he is more than enough to fulfill you, to fill that longing heart of yours. What you're longing, what you're lacking, he is more than enough for me. But you need to choose today. We can make all the reasons as to why, Lord, I cannot follow you. Lord, I had a hard life, or this happened to me. Lord, you don't understand. If only I had more time. But the message of God is very clear. It's very clear, and he's offering it to you right now, here today. May you accept it. May you run towards it. And may you receive his love and his blessing here that is bestowed upon us this very morning slash afternoon.
you need to choose today who you will serve. As Joshua declared, but as for me and my household, as for me, I will serve the Lord. When you have that attitude, when you have that faith and that mindset, we will finish the race faithfully. We will receive the victor's crown, the crown of life, the eternity in heaven with the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for giving us today's message, the confidence that is found in Christ. This confidence doesn't come from our own doing or the good that I have done or the mistakes that I've made. It has been given to us simply by faith and by faith alone has been given to us by grace alone. In the midst of our trials, Lord, we look to you with thanksgiving. We rely on you, and we hold on to you. It says in James 1, verse 2 to 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 1 Peter 1, 6-9, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer troubles, grief, and all kinds of trials. But these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the victor's crown, the salvation of your soul. And the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Say that again. Will himself restore you. To those who are broken here today, listen carefully to what the Lord is saying to us. He said he will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That's how Peter ends. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And amen. So with that truth, can we just take this time to pray? And in the process, we'll be worshiping the song in the background. But let us pray. Let us not worry about who's next to us. It's between you and the Lord. Imagine yourself as the rich young ruler. 
Jesus is offering to us. You're going to choose me or will you choose your wealth when we make that decision today? May we choose God as Job did and follow the Lord in suffering. And choose Him today, I shall. And may we worship Him and pray to Him in spirit and in truth. Let us pray together.
sing a song to the one who's all I need. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your Father, we can confidently say here today that, Lord, even if you take everything in our lives and we have nothing, we know that it's going to be okay because, God, you are a good God and that God that you are a God who loves us and who cares for us. You know everything from the inside, from the beginning to the end. You know all of our thoughts. all the worries and anxieties that we carry. And we can trust in you because, Lord, we know that you have given your all for us and you love us all the way. And in you, it is always more than enough. You are always more than enough. Lord, fill us in our emptiness, in our brokenness. Even when others don't understand what we're going through, you know everything that we are going through. And you see us, and you love us. And then in turn, Lord, we will not walk away sad, our face down, falling down. But Lord, we will get up, walk away joyfully, and we will be yoked with you. will finish this race. For it's not by my strength, by might, 
but it is by the Spirit of God that is within us that strengthens us. Though you slay us, though you ruin us, I will worship and I will sing a song to the one who's all I want and who's all I need. We thank you for this promise. We thank you for your love. May we finish the race and we will finish the race. I pray for your protection upon every individual who have heard this message here today. May it be sealed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, we all pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. With that, we have an offering song. Oh, not of them 
claim to have deserved Everything is your grace It was your claim And everything is your grace Your grace Your grace Your unending grace In my life there is not a single thing I claim to have deserved Everything is your grace, it was your grace. Everything is your grace, it was your grace. Everything is your grace, it was your grace. With that, let's close our service with the last song, The Path of Life in Jesus, and then we'll close the service with a benediction. Let's sing together. prayer, our benediction. Let us pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you everything good for doing his will. May he work within us what is pleasing in his sight. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all of God's people pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. I will see you all in the back. God bless you.